Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Sunday School Extra. This is a virtual presentation for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to cover the day Sunday, July 30th, 2023 with this broadcast of Sunday School Extra. And it is going to be covering a very, very interesting passage in Scripture, um, something that I had made uh, alluded to, if you are viewers of the live stream Sunday School broadcast, that we would go back and look at the rich man and Lazarus passage, which is in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. And there, it's a very rich passage because of all the content involved here. And so why don't we go ahead and get started by looking into this more deeply and getting into what the Word has to say about what it means to leave here and where you wind up if you're either a follower of Jesus Christ or if you're not. Uh, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to look at your word and examine the passage and look at what you have to say to us. I thank you, Lord, for your presence. I thank you for your teaching. And I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit which provides enlightenment every time that we look at Scripture, even if we look at the same passage uh, time and again, you reveal new things to us even as we go. And Lord, we thank you for how you indeed, uh, Lord, you were the teacher when you were here on earth and you are still teaching us today. We thank you for your presence and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, everyone, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Luke chapter 16. Let's read through the passage of Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. And this is, of course, Luke is the only one that makes reference to this of the uh, within the Gospels itself of, about this particular study. And it will be important to provide some context, too, but after we read the passage, so I'll do that. But let's go ahead and get started with the passage. Uh, I read from the, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. Starting with Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 20. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Verse 22, Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. Verse 25, but Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. Verse 26, and besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. 
Verse 27, Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. Verse 30, the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. All right, that's Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. And we'll go back over this now as we typically do when we go through our Sunday school class. And we, we're going to go and look at these passages and try to provide information here. There is so much material here. Um, I highly encourage anyone who's looking at this passage, first of all, to look at some parallel studies, look at some commentaries about what is being said because it does help to provide some context as to why Jesus launched uh, from the passage for example in Luke 16 verse 18 he talks about divorce and remarriage and then he all of a sudden leaps into this passage about uh, the rich man and Lazarus but and that's basically how Luke is recording it you know Luke is the uh, one who is writing this passage and you have to look at what the context is when Jesus was speaking uh, in general to the general public he was also speaking to the Pharisees they were also present at this particular time and Jesus is kind of putting the Pharisees on notice because they felt that wealth was a proof was proof of a person's righteousness in other words the more money they had the more that they had accumulated it was their justification that a person was righteous Where, whereas we know and we learn and understand that we are only righteous because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. He makes us righteous because we believe in him. In fact, Abraham was believed in the Lord and it was credited to him for righteousness because it came from God. He gave Abraham righteousness because of his belief and faith in God. That is exactly the same for us as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And looking at the context of that is that we have to recognize too that uh, Jesus is making it very clear. The rich man didn't go to uh, be punished and go to torment because he was wealthy. He went because he was selfish. He went because uh, he was well aware of who Lazarus was during his lifetime, but he never went out to help him. He never did anything to show any care for him. He didn't feed him. He didn't take care of him. Uh, Lazarus was uh, didn't have any means whatsoever. He was so sick, he had open sores that the dogs were coming and licking his sores. And he just didn't, and of course that would just bring on disease. That's all it would do. Uh, there was nothing cleanly, uh, cleanly, no cleanliness whatsoever about that. But the rich man was hard-hearted in spite of his blessings. He didn't really care for anyone else. He only cared much, pretty much for himself. And so, and with that, there was a lack of faith in God. He relied upon himself for everything that he had. And so now he was facing what is true for anyone who chooses to believe in themselves rather than believe in God. Uh, when he perished, he has perished without the saving grace of uh, God and, in fact, went immediately to torment. It was because of what he did. He was selfish. And 
it, it gives us some pause to remind us about how much we put into the value of money and possessions. What did Jesus say to the, the rich young ruler um, who believed that he had uh, done everything he should have done to uh, find favor with God? And Jesus had pretty much told him, you still lack one thing. And the one thing, honestly, is believing that God uh, was truly God because he put all of his uh, effort in his wealth. Sell all of your possessions, he told the rich young ruler, and give those things to the poor in order that, and then you will be able to walk with the Lord, walk with him. And the rich young ruler couldn't do that because he valued his wealth, his possessions, uh, much more. And so the, the stumbling block for him, as well as for this rich man here that we read about, he just held on to his wealth. He did not share it. He did not do what was necessary to help those around him, him in need. And that is really what we need to recognize here, too. The passage was never meant for people who had a lot of possessions to give everything away for the sake of showing yourself to be worthy of following God. Now, if God gives you direction to do that, that's fine, but that's not what is intended here. That is not what is being said here whatsoever for the rich man, that he didn't go to hell because of his wealth. He went because he was selfish. And selfishness, um, greed, it's a reflection of pridefulness. You feel um, more strongly about who you are and pridefulness is the exact opposite of what it means to live in faith and follow the Lord. And so we need to see that and understand that for what it is. So Jesus is giving the message to the Pharisees that your wealth has nothing to do with righteousness. It's about your relationship with the Lord that has everything to do with righteousness. And, of course, this passage is reflecting what was taking place before Jesus went to the cross and what he did when he went to the cross, died, and the days that followed while he was uh, still uh, considered dead before his resurrection. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on here because we need to see that this is a prelude to what Jesus is going to do for all of us on the cross and uh, by what he's writing here. And so, first of all, we need to understand that this is... For what it's worth, um, when we look at this passage, the rich man and Lazarus, it is the only graphic representation of the afterlife that we have in Scripture. We have other mentions of it. We certainly have other things that allude to it. But the reason why it's a graphic representation is because we have actual speaking characters within this passage. And we have no reason to believe that this is anything that is necessarily made up or fake or left to your imagination because we have actual names of people here. We have Lazarus, not the Lazarus that Jesus rose from the dead after four days. This is another character of Lazarus. The rich man, we don't have his name. We don't necessarily need it. It's not really relevant here. But we have one person that's mentioned here in the afterlife. That's Abraham. Abraham is actually being referenced here in this passage. And Abraham is a speaking character just as the rich man is a speaking character. Typically, when we look at parables in Scripture, it doesn't mean that... Um, these things weren't true. Uh, he, Jesus was referring to something that actually did happen by, by all accounts that we can look at here. And so it avoids a, a whole lot of speculation, and, and it certainly encourages your study to look at this for what it's worth. And, you know, these, uh, of course, 
Jesus is speaking with authority as far as what is happening in the afterlife. Um, the others that did that were John, because he was revealed to him in, Re in the book of Revelation as well, too. Uh, Paul, who was caught up to the third heaven that we look at in 2 Corinthians 12, 2. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 2. Uh, you don't necessarily have to turn to it. I'll just read to you what it says. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. But yet he can uh, make an account for that. Um, so Paul has this revelation about what it is to be caught up and recognizing that there is a place that we're going to go to after we die, after we leave this body, after our souls depart from our bodies, and there's a place where we're going to rest. And we have the account of Abraham as well, too, uh, speaking about this here in the passage, which is something that escaped me earlier. I just didn't think about that. But this active communication that takes place makes it, makes it very clear uh, as we go through this passage that you are conscious after death. It's not like when you die that you just cease to exist. Uh, death is merely in a separation, a separation at that point uh, from God. And depending upon your belief, where you're sitting in your beliefs, you're either going to be in a place of torment or you're going to be in a place of peace and rest uh, and comfort. Now, we'll expand upon that a little bit because uh, we're expanding on a place of rest, peace, and comfort. But this is prior again to Jesus going to the cross. And, and so there are a lot of things that take place at that point, at that moment, when Jesus dies. And because of his sacrifice, he has now opened things up for people who have gone to that place of rest uh, afterward for, let's say, the Old Testament um, people that we read about the people the very people abraham isaac jacob all those who went before who believed in god they were in this place of rest and so they are not mentioned here in this passage but that is where they went that is where they were and we have to recognize that jesus's death on the cross was extremely significant for the past present and future of all people who believe in god um the significance was uh, not restricted by time. It was not restricted by anything other than the fact that Jesus had to be the one to go to the cross and, and make uh, m make it known that he would be the one who would pay this penalty for our sins, past, present, and future, the penalty for our lives that would allow for us, because now we are in the, within the new covenant, that where we go when we leave here, we are going to be immediately uh, at the right, near near where God is, right where he is, in heaven, where Jesus is in heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. But let's go back and look at this study here and look at the detail. Back to the top, Luke chapter 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. And we talk about someone who's purpled in fine linen. That's a person of royalty. That's a person of high stature. Uh, purple represents that. That's what that color represents. And he lived every day in luxury. He didn't, was not want for, wanting, want for anything. He had everything that he needed. And then the contrast to that in verse 20, at his gate, right in front of his house where he lived, a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Being covered with sores speaks for itself. You're diseased. You're sick. Um, and for all we know, these were, it was, could have been contagious. No one wanted to go around him. No one wanted to be anywhere near him. And when the dogs come and lick your sores, that means that you're gravely ill. There's nothing really much that can be done for you. 
Um, but we, the difference and the distinction we have to recognize here is that Lazarus was laying there, as it says in verse 21, longing for scraps from the rich man's table. The dogs would come and lick his open sores. And then finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man was also died and was buried. And let's stop there for a moment because we want to recognize that Abraham, uh, there had to have been a faith, a belief, that for something to look forward to, and that was being with God. And so there was a faith. It implies that Lazarus had faith in God because otherwise he would not be able to uh, sit beside Abraham, go with the angels, carried away by the angels. Carried by the angels implies what? Not his body was being carried. His very soul was being carried by the angels. He was brought to the place where Abraham was. And what's the heavenly banquet? That's the place um, where, you know, there's no real reference as to what heaven is like, except that it is a place of rest, a place of peace. And the banquet, you know, Jesus promises in Scripture that he is going to not drink the wine again um, uh, that he drove, drunk in the Last Supper, during the Last Supper with his disciples, until we meet with him again uh, in heaven. And, and that's a, the, there's a banquet table there, too. And there, obviously, there's probably more than one place where there's this banquet uh, where people are relishing and spending time in a place of peace. And now we go from there, and that's a great mystery, too, because there's not a whole lot to said about that uh, in Scripture. You can go back and look at the passages where it says, uh, the King James Version just refers to the fact he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Um, and that is what is referred to there. Um, bosom, interestingly, if you look at the word, uh, when you say Abraham's bosom, uh, kolpos, kolpos is the uh, word for bosom that's referred to the Greek word. It's a primary word, bosom by analogy a bay a creek waters um so we're looking at a place of peace but we're taking also literally here and this is mentioned in the king james version six times uh, but we're taking the fact that abraham was present there and there's a resting place where lazarus went so we're talking about a place of peace a place of comfort uh, when I think about a bay or a creek, I think about waters, uh, of course. We rec recognize that there's a lot to be said about peaceful renderings of what it's like to be in a place where you see rest. And one of the things that comes up, it comes to mind, is a, a waterway, a place of uh, a creek, a river that runs, uh, a gentle river. Not necessarily a rushing river, but a very gentle body of water. Um, that's a great descriptive for what we're looking at here when we're talking about where Lazarus went. So I just want to point that out to you. It's not something that I plan to talk about, but I wanted to discuss what are we really referring to when we're looking at a place of rest. We're looking at the very exact opposite of where um, the rich man went. Because Go back to verse 23. Uh, and he went to the place of the dead. And we're talking about the rich man. He died, was also buried. But immediately he was there in torment. Now, Lazarus didn't have a funeral. If anything, Lazarus was taken to a place called Gehenna, where all the people who were poor essentially were thrown into a pile, a heap pile, of uh, where all the corpses went. 
Um, that's where his body wound up. He didn't have a funeral. He was not officially buried by all accounts because according to the tradition at that time, that's where all the pe people uh, who were dead went. The rich man had a funeral by all accounts. He was uh, given a funeral and um, there was great pomp uh, and ceremony over that funeral. But uh, where the rich man went, he went immediately to torment. Literally, by all accounts, as we look at scripture and we look at what happens here, he literally went to the place of uh, torment immediately uh, when he closed his eyes in death. And it doesn't talk about how he died or why he died, because death can be a very arbitrary thing. Death can come at any time for any person at any moment. And I think that's what, if anything, should make you be very, very considerate about those who you know who don't know Jesus, because we don't know the days that we have. We don't know the time that we have. And a lot of people waste a lot of time living in a certain way, thinking that they got all kinds of time in the world to make a decision about who Jesus Christ is. Well, I assure you, you don't. All of our days are numbered. We just don't know what that number is. And once you die, you there's no backseas. There's no going back and uh, getting a mulligan and trying to figure out what happened. Because once you die, you can't fix it. There's nothing you can change at that point. You've made the decision in your life to either live for God in our in our world live for Jesus Christ or choose not to live for Jesus Christ you've make it you've made a decision to deny the very creator that made you and created you and so when when you die that decision has been made for you and what you're going to find here as we go through further in this passage and look at this rich man had a big funeral he was um and perhaps whoever spoke at the funeral maybe gave him accolades and tried to say that, well, he's, he is uh, with God. Of course, he has no way of, of speaking that truthfully because he would not know that. Um, that's the one thing that when we're doing funerals and when we were called to ask and do the eulogy for funerals, unless you can speak for confidence about the life of the person who is living, that they are truly with the Lord, you just make some general platitudes but at the end of the day uh if you that person's life that passed on you don't see the evidence of that um you basically want to make sure that you're carrying the warning to whoever's living in that point that you need to give your life to jesus christ you need to give your life to the lord he is the only one who makes us righteous before him he is the only one who gives us what we truly need that free pass to be able to have um, passage into this place where Jesus is, where he is in heaven. Uh, that's the only way we can get that because we believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. He is the one who died on the cross for us. So now we have the demonstration and the discussion here about Abraham, his soul, it recognizes where he is. He recognizes that he is with um Lazarus recognizes he's with Abraham, excuse me. And the rich man recognizes immediately that he's in torment. They literally are going to the same place, but in different rooms or different areas. Um, and that's the interesting thing here. The word hell in the Greek is Hades. Um, 
meaning the unseen world. It's a, it's also means it's a place of departed souls. It's literally the same meaning as the Hebrew word Sheol that's referenced in the Old Testament. And in the King James Version, Hades is mentioned 11 times. And it's where um, people will remain and be. Um, if you go to torment uh, in Hades, that is your place where you're going to be up until the very point of time of the great white throne judgment that's referenced in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Let's, um, for the sake of uh, our conversation here, go to Revelation 20. And forgive me here, I've got a couple of different reference points here, and I want to try not to lose where I'm at. So I'm going to use another reference point to get to Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. And I want you to understand that these are very specific places that Scripture is referencing. And it's for our benefit to understand what it is to be in the afterlife. We, we have a great privilege that God gives us through the writings of Luke in this particular section as to what this represents. But for those who are uh, in torment in hell, the, the, the torment side of Hades there's two sides which we're going to be discussing here verse 11 in revelation 20 and i saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it the earth and sky fled from his presence but they found no place to hide verse 12 i saw the dead both great and small standing before god's throne and the books were open including the book of life and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books the and understand something all of the dead are going before the judgment those who have passed on who did not acknowledge God they're going to go back before the Lord and go through this process now because if if God is not one thing but he certainly is fair he is just he's going to make it very clear as to what is going on with you but if you're not in the book of life that's what it says in verse 12 the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books and the sea gave up its dead and death and the grave back to verse 13 in Revelation 20 the sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead and all were judged according to their deeds we all face judgment in the future for those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ we're all going to face judgment but only those who are not in Christ are going to face judgment for eternity for eternal torment all were judged according to their deeds. Then verse 14, Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. Death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found or recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So what this is going to mean is this rich man that we're reading about in the passage of Luke is going to go from that place of torment right where they are, go before the Lord, receive their final judgment in reference to their deeds or what they did not do uh, frankly that uh, ingratiated them to the Lord and now you're going to be thrown into the lake of fire that's also referred to as hell that's the hell that we're all familiar with that's the second death though but we need to recognize that even before we get to that place of judgment of course there's a place of torment that awaits those who do not know the Lord this is being made very clear here in scripture 
And that's why the rich man is in torment. Look what it says. Go back to Luke chapter 16, verse 24. And the place of hell that we're referring to is not really opened up until we get to the book of Revelation and look in the study there. This eternal place. But death is separation. But remember that death is not extinction. You will feel where you're at. You will be there present. Your soul will actually feel what's going on. Look what the rich man says. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Notice how the, the rich man knows exactly who he's talking to. He is very conscious as to his surroundings. He is conscious as to where he is. That's been revealed to him upon his passing and going into torment. And he knows who Lazarus is. Uh, of course, he knew who Lazarus was before he died. And now he's going to recognize Lazarus present after his death. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. Now, recognize something here about being in anguish in those flames. There's flame. There's a fire. There's a burning that's taking place. But this is a burning that doesn't consume. You know, it's, it's just like the burning bush that we look at in uh, Genesis when Moses is having an encounter with God. It's the bush that is not consumed by fire, but that flame is present and it remained present before Moses. Um, and it's very interesting to see how this same type of flame, I, I can't say it's exactly the same, but it's very similar. But we're not talking about the, the rich man burning up as we would have fire today. When we put something in a fire, the wood that we put in the fire is gradually consumed and burned up. But not in this case. This place of torment, where it's the unseen world that we don't know about, but there is a physical representation that is taking place here where he is in anguish in these flames and he is able to speak. And he is able to express what he is experiencing. Anguish. It's a very graphic representation of those who are in torment and what that means for those who don't believe in the Lord. Uh, that's what it represents. So now verse 25. It's a conscious conversation that's taking place between the rich man and Abraham. Abraham said to him in verse 25, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. So he's reminding this rich man, well, you had what you needed at that point, but you chose not to follow God. You went ahead and did what you did, and Lazarus didn't have anything. Lazarus had nothing, and he's making him well aware of what the problem was for the rich man. You ignored this man. You knew he needed help, and you didn't give it to him. You were selfish. You held everything to yourself. You had plenty of money, plenty of resources to help Lazarus. Take him in, give him a place to sleep. You left him outside the gate of your house to die. And so that is what Abraham is remembering him. So now he is here being comforted. And you are in anguish. Basically repeating exactly what the rich man said. He, you're in anguish. You've got what you pretty much asked for. And now when I say ask for is that, no, the rich man did not ask to go to torment. But we have to understand something. You make a choice to either acknowledge your creator or deny your creator. 
And I think you have to say it exactly that way. You acknowledge what you're doing. You're either going to be with the Creator and acknowledge that He and you indeed owe your life to Him and what He has provided for you and what He has done for you, or you're going to say, no, nope, I don't want any part of that. And that's exactly what the rich man did. And he lived off of his money. He was very happy when he had his money. He just ignored the fact that God was the reason why he had this these wealth, this wealth, these riches. And again, remember, Jesus is teaching the Pharisees, your wealth has nothing to do with your righteousness. It's nothing to do with it. And so that's what we want to recognize here, too. And one thing that I want to point out here is that we have other references. What did Jesus do when he died on the cross for us? What did he do to make sure that it was complete? When he said it is finished, when he died on the cross and he was going to give himself on the cross, he had finished a number of things. But one of the things he had finished was that he had now provided a way for those individuals who went to this afterlife, this place, this place of Hades, um, Hades is the place of departed souls, but there's two sections of Hades. We have the place where, obviously, Abraham and the rich man are having a conversation back and forth about what's taking place. Let's continue, and I'll get to that, and I'll, I'll try to complete what's going on about what Jesus did for us. Um, go back to verse 26. And besides, there's a great chasm. This is what I wanted to refer to here. A great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. And that great chasm is still part of this afterlife that we're referring to. This place, the Sheol, the place of the dead, Hades, place of departed souls. There's two places for departed souls. They're either going to be with where it is in the peaceful area, where there's water, there's a brook, like we read about early here, Abraham's bosom. It's physical, and also it's also a reference to what it's like to experience peace uh, at that time uh, in the afterlife. We can also make the analogy that it's also going to be a place where it's going to be the same way in heaven. Um, and also we have the afterlife of torment, a flame area, a place where people who don't believe in God are going to experience torment and that's not going to change. That's going to be that way all throughout eternity. Their experience is going to be torment. Um, it literally, it almost gives the reference that, boy, if you would deny the Lord, uh, your unrighteousness, it's going to be, it's going to take forever for that unrighteousness to be dealt with. Um, but that's exactly what it references as far as I can tell. I mean, that's what I'm referencing here too. But Jesus is telling us in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who believes in me and believes in me will never, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And this is the communication he had with Martha. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? So, that's what Jesus did on the cross for us. Jesus did on, went on the cross, and we have different areas in Scripture, uh, especially in 1 Peter. 1 Peter mentions what Jesus Christ did for us when it came to 
uh, when he died, let's look at the three days in between when he died on the cross and before he was resurrected. What did he do? What did he do for us as believers? What did he do for those who died with the Lord even prior to when Jesus went to the cross? Well, he was at that place where he went to, where he had descended and then ascended. Let's look at 1 Peter. It's a fascinating study, everybody. Bear with me because there's much to be seen about this because it's, it's appropriate for us to talk about what Jesus did for us um, and why we have this conversation, even with the rich man and Lazarus, about the relevance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. 1 Peter 3.19 well, let's read verse 18, just to set up for that. 1 Peter 3, verse 18. Um, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. For all time. Past, present, future, for anyone. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. Now, verse 19, so he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Verse 20, those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from that drowning, from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you. A picture of baptism, water. Not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience, it is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers except his authority. So what this preaching was, who was he preaching to? He was preaching to the spirits in prison. In prison, now spirits, we're talking about preaching. The word can also be used as proclamation if you go into different areas because preaching implies that he was you know, giving a message as if it was irrelevant for them to be, do something different than what they were doing. No, that was already determined. They were either in a place of rest on one side of Sheol, one side of Hades, or a place of rest in torment. And it's my belief that Jesus spoke to both sides of that chasm. He might have been in the area where they were, but he preached to both of them, spoke to both of them. But what he did when he went to that place Let's take a look and see if we have a revealing of that. Go to 1 Peter um, chapter 4, verse 6. Let's if I remember it correctly. 1 Peter 4, verse 6. Yes. Well, let's start with verse 5. You know, it's amazing. I, I picked these verses out, but I, you have to lead into them so we can have context as we read it. Verse 5, 1 Peter 4, verse 5. But remember, they will have to face God, who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Both the living and the dead. And now we say living because you are alive in Christ because you believe in Jesus. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead, so though although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. So who was Jesus speaking to when he was dead and when he had descended? And we need to look at this passage, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. 
And I hope this isn't coming across as clumsy. I, I, I still am talking about the rich man and Lazarus, but I want to make sure that you understand there is methodology in what Jesus did for us on the cross. The moment he passed on and died, his spirit, the body was left here, but the spirit went on and did some things to clean up some business. Verse 8, Ephesians 4. That is why the scriptures say, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens. So he might fill the entire universe with himself. So what are we looking at here? He descended to make this proclamation to those who were dead in the Lord, both those who were in this place of rest, the place we'll call where Abraham's bosom was, and the place of torment. He was making this declaration that he, in fact, had died, and now that he had died and he had been made, those who were in this place of Hades, of Sheol, made them righteous, they could go with him to heaven. It's believed that everybody who was in this place of rest, including Lazarus, the one who had died, Abraham, all those people who were there in that place, they ascended with Jesus to heaven. That's what's being referred to. And that's what we want to understand here, too. So, again, as a reminder, this rich man and Lazarus text that we read about is before Jesus went to the cross and did what he did to pay the penalty for sins for everyone. So that they are now made righteous in Christ. Those who were in this place of rest. We say this a place of captivity. That's where they were kept. That's where they were kept. Now they could go to Jesus with Jesus to heaven. And they ascended with him. The people who were left in this place of torment in Hades. They remained where they were. They didn't go anywhere. Because it was already determined that they had denied God their creator. And that's where they were going to be. They decided they were going to live in the manner they chose to live, and they remained where they were. They're not coming out of that place of Hades, of, of torment, until, as I had mentioned, the great white throne judgment. That's when it's going to take place. So we see that these are temporary places, based upon what we're understanding from the totality of Scripture, looking all the way to the book of Revelation. But... We have every reason to believe that if you die without Jesus Christ right now, you're going to be in that place of torment where the rich man is right now. That's what we have to recognize. And we're taking this as a literal story um, that it took, took place. And so man is separated from God by sin. It's sin is what separates us. But we are made righteous in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Abraham was made righteous by God because he had faith and believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So that was pre-Jesus. But now for our sake, believing in Jesus is what we need to understand that he is the resurrection and the life. He died for us. He gave of his life for us so that we may have eternal life with him. And of course, John chapter 3, verse 16. He loved us that much to make sure that we had eternal life with him going on the going to the cross on our behalf because our sins separate us from God. We can't do anything without the grace of God, uh, his forgive, uh, forgiving of our sins and making us righteous before him 
because of what Jesus did on the cross. That is the only way. Jesus says it in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father. No one can have that relationship but through him. Even Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all those who died before us, that is where we experience righteousness because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So let's get back to our passage in Luke because we want to tie up this um, passage here and put it in a neat, neat little bow and make sure we're covering everything here. We're, we've established that the rich man is in torment. He knows where he is. He knows exactly what's going on. You can't cross over to the other side to get away. You're going to be stuck right where you are. And it was also the same, though, for those who are being held captive on the other side of Hades. They couldn't go anywhere either. Not until Jesus released them from that place and took them to heaven. Fascinating study. Okay, so verse 27 in Luke chapter 16. The rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. And that's under interesting that for whatever reason now, there's even though he keeps saying, send Lazarus, send Lazarus, Lazarus is always going to be a servant to him. But that's the ir irony of this whole thing. The rich man had nothing but wealth and now he's in a place where he can't do anything. He can't go anywhere. He, and he's going to try and send Lazarus somewhere, implying that you know Lazarus is free to go wherever he wants to because the, the rich man tells him to go. But Abraham's going to tell him. Moses and the prophets have warned him. You don't, Lazarus isn't going anywhere. You don't need to. Worry. That's not going to happen. Uh, he's going to be right here where he deserves to be. He's at a place where he's being comforted. Uh, he lived a tough life now because he believed in God. He is with us. Um, and hey, tell your you know your brothers can read what they wrote. You can't go back and tell them, but there's information out there already. Just like for those we know. That, hey, you can have eternal life if you believe in Jesus. Just believe in that. Just go ahead and do that. Remember what Jesus says in John chapter 14? He says, just believe. Believe in me because I say that I'm the one who's been with the Father. But if you even have trouble with that, believe in me because of the things that you've seen me do. The miracles you've seen me perform. We don't. Jesus doesn't care how you believe. He just tells you to believe. And that's really what it comes down to. And the information is out there. Bibles are everywhere. Electronic Bibles are everywhere. The Word is everywhere. Programming is out there that teaches about the truth of Jesus Christ. There, is, there are fewer and fewer places you can go today where you can't get access to the Bible or some sort of teaching. The Bible has been, being, been written in thousands of different languages and is still being written for those people to hear the truth about who Jesus is. How important is it for everyone to recognize who Jesus is. And there's going to be fewer and fewer excuses. In fact, Jesus says, or the Lord says, these people are without excuse. They have no reason to deny what is right there in front of them. God's creation. The fact that he, they're here because of what God has done. Um, and, and that's what people have to see here, too. People try to acknowledge well, I have a life to live. I want to do what I want to do. I want to live the way I want to live. Yeah, you want to live selfishly. You want to live outside of the will of God. You want to live in such a manner where you don't think you need God. And like I said, when you die, it's too late. You can't go back and say, I made a mistake. I blew it. I want to go and fix it. God, help me. 
It's not going to work. You have to do it during the lifetime that God has given you here on earth. Just as Jesus lived 100% human, he lowered himself, before, even lower than the angels, to come and do what he did on the cross for us. That's why it's important for you to acknowledge who Jesus is when you have life and breath as a human being in this body because afterward, you don't have that option. You don't have that choice to do that. So even the rich man wants to put up a rebuttal when Abraham tells him that the brothers, they can just read what they've got in front of them. The prophets have written everything that you need to, to do to acknowledge. And we have Bibles here today that provide this information readily available. But And people know about the Bible and, and they read, maybe they've even read the Bible, but there's that sticking point about believing in who Jesus is and believing that he is the Son of God that went to the cross for you to pay for the sins of your life, pay for the fact that sin separates from you from God. You can't have fellowship with God when you're in sin. Someone has to pay the penalty for you because you can't do it for yourself. That someone is none other than Jesus Christ. Verse 30, the rich man replied, No father Abraham. Again, arguing with Abraham, basically. But he's in torment. He's hot. He can't get out of it. So, you can expect that type of behavior if you know that you are destined to face this eternity um, with total discomfort. But if someone sent to them from the dead, they will repent of their sins and turn to God. Interesting. That's what the rich man says after he dies. They'll repent of their sins and turn to God. You've got full knowledge when you leave here, when you go to this afterlife, whether you're in torment or whether you're in paradise. Verse 31, but Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Well, how telling is that? Jesus is basically talking about exactly the plight for those individuals living today if they choose to deny who Jesus is. Jesus is putting himself right in front of them. Jesus spoke directly to the Pharisees, spoke directly to hundreds of thousands of people about who he was and what he represented in his efforts. And some chose to believe and some chose to deny him, not believe. When you choose to not believe you're determining you don't want any part of God in the present and in the future and the future means after you leave here so that is something we have to recognize here when Jesus went to the cross and there was even a conversation we, I had briefly yesterday about that thief on the cross and Jesus assured that thief on the cross because he, when the thief believed at that moment, after a lifetime of crime and a lifetime of denial of who Jesus is, Jesus was, he decided to believe in him right at that moment. And Jesus said the words that just should make you shudder. Today you're going to be with me in paradise. So when Jesus went to the cross and died, and of course, that thief on the cross also died and was with Jesus in a, at a place of rest. 
because he simply believed. His sins were forgiven. He believed. Jesus was with that thief on the cross after he died and took them all with him to heaven, paradise. Amen. What a study. I encourage you to go back and look at this on your own. I've literally taken uh, almost an hour to talk about this because there's, it's such a rich passage. And I've, I've read this passage before and I've read it and studied it. And, and I was fascinated by it, of course, before. But the more you get into it and look at how this is all laid out before us, it should give you as a believer in Jesus Christ, the desire to be more of a disciple of Christ. Go out and preach the gospel, as it says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go out and preach the gospel. Go and tell others about the goodness of Jesus Christ, why we believe in him. It's not enough just to believe in God. It's not enough to even just say, I know who God is. It's now believing that Jesus is the one that went to the cross for us, died on the cross for us because he loves us. His first stint on earth was, in fact, to provide eternal life, the opportunity for all of us to have eternal life. When he comes again, the second coming, he's going to come to judge. And so we have to recognize that he has different tasks ahead of him when he now goes and returns, comes back to us in the same manner that he ascended, he's going to return to us, to earth, and he's going to be a judge. And he's also going to come and get his church uh, when it's raptured out before the great persecutions that take place uh, leading up to that time when he returns once again on earth. So much to go through. You can only cover so much. You can spend much more time than what I've spent today in this study about what it is, what happens to us when we die? Where are we going to be? Well, we're going to be in a place of paradise or we're going to be in a place of torment. That paradise can take on different looks. I don't know all of them. We can assume that there's water that's traveling through there. There's a brooks. There's, there's peacefulness involved. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's a place of peace. It's a place of rest. It's a place of comfort. As we look at here in this passage where uh, Lazarus was with Abraham. A place of rest. The other side of the great chasm. Departed souls that don't follow and acknowledge Jesus as Lord. It's a place of torment. A place of agony. Why do we say that? Those are the rich man's very words. A place of agony. Being in flames. Being in torment. It's too hot, so hot, that a drop of water will try to cool you off, as the rich man mentioned. A place where I don't want to be, a place where you don't want to be. And I believe I'm not going to be in that place, because I believe that Jesus is the Lord of my life, I would not be able to do what I do or exist or say the things that I say without Jesus Christ. I would not have eternal life if it were not for Jesus dying on the cross for me. May you pray that same prayer 
and recognize the importance. It's a matter of life and death. Let's pray. Lord, you indeed are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our thanks for everything that you did for us. And in this teaching of the rich man and Lazarus, you show us what both places are like in the afterlife. And that you are conscious and that you can see the other side. And Lord, you're showing us in another way as you do all throughout Scripture, the importance of going right back to Jesus and recognizing him as Lord of our lives. Lord, if we just believe, we know that we have this place that we go to, heaven, paradise, peace, rest. We know that you're at the right hand of the Father because the Word says so. And Lord, we want to be where you are. Lord, if there's anyone listening, watching right now that does not have a relationship with you, a saving relationship with you, speak to them right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Reach out, Lord, and touch them. Give them what they need to have greater understanding of who you are. Lord, if you can save that thief on the cross like you did, you can save anyone. And you do save anyone who acknowledges who you are. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the gospel message of your truth. Lord, I lift up to those right now who don't know you that they do know you and acknowledge who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done before. Doesn't matter where you've been. By believing in Jesus right now, believing in you, you'll have eternal life with him. And you can go forward and live in confidence of God's truth. I thank you, Lord. God's peace knowing that where you'll be is with him when you depart from this earthly body. Lord, you're worthy of praise for your message. Thank you for loving us as you do. Thank you for that eternal love, that agape love that we can only begin to understand. But we thank you that it's there. Bless us now, Lord. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We appreciate you being here today for the Sunday School Extra. It was really something today. Amen. We appreciate you being here. Uh, stay tuned, of course, for all content on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Uh, we will be pre-recording messages and putting stuff out there for you to be able to go back and look at. If you have further questions about Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, go to our website, akronalliance.org. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. We will see you next time.